0: If your school is in the market for bespoke sportswear, look no further than Cookery Sports. Cookery has evolved over the last 20 years from a bespoke sportswear manufacturer into a true sportswear partner, firmly believing in the value of sport at all levels. Bespoke teamwear forms a unique part of an individual's sporting story and represents a lasting link to their time in sport. Cookery are proud to play a part in that journey. Every individual can build their own legacy. Cookery Sports creates a sportswear range that inspires as well as performs. Start your journey today. Email the team at contactcookerysports.com. At
1: Hi everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Globe Trotin ADs. Our guest this week is Jason Culler. Jason is an associate athletic director at Jenks High School in Jenks, Oklahoma. And today our topic is going to be the differences between those who are athletic directors in the United States versus those who might be activity coordinators or athletic directors overseas. So if you've taken, for example, nine uh 901 from the NIAA one of those courses that introduces international schools athletic directors association uh, guidelines and you'll be familiar with some of the topics we're going to discuss today. Uh, Jason is a CMAA, he's a certified master athletic administrator, he's an NIAAA liaison for the state of Oklahoma and an OIAA board member. We were fortunate enough to first meet Jason in Orlando, uh, I believe it was back in 2015 at the NIAAA conference and we welcome him and I'm going to throw it over to my colleague, Nick.
0: All right. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for the intro. And hello, everyone. I won't say too much right now. We want to welcome you, Jason, and and maybe fill us in on a bit of a profile, maybe something that Matt missed um, to get us started.
2: You bet. Hey, first of all, I want to thank you, Matt and Nick. Thank you guys for uh, extending the invitation to speak on the podcast. I've been following uh, your last four episodes. Very excited to be on there with you guys. Um. So, like, like Matt said, my name is Jason Culler. This is my 23rd year in education and my 12th year as an athletic administrator. Um, I've taught and coached at schools in Texas, Arkansas, and Oklahoma here in the United States. Uh, I've coached everything from fast-pitch softball, football, basketball, track and field, baseball, and golf. The schools that I've um, worked at have ranged from 335 students in the entire district to nearly 15,000 uh, students in my current district, uh, happily married to my high school sweetheart Shannon. Uh, we have three children: Avery, who is 16; Caden, my middle daughter, she's 11; and Brooks is my son, who is eight. Uh, like Matt said, I'm currently serving as the district uh, associate athletic director for Jinx Public Schools here in Jinx, Oklahoma. Uh, also serving on the OI o- AAA which is our Oklahoma Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association, uh, serve on that board as well as the state liaison for the NIAAA for the state of Oklahoma. So thank you guys for having me. Uh, just a brief synopsis of, of where I've been and what I bring to the table.
0: All right. Thanks, Jason. And before we go any further, how many other countries besides the United States have you visited?
2: Uh, that's an easy <laughs> Uh, easy answer (laughs) that is uh, zero I've I've made it almost to the border of Mexico uh, via via Texas one time but uh, my wife's uh, purse was stolen and all of our cash and
0: and (laughs) all of our
2: stuff before we crossed over so we did not venture into Mexico we were headed there and did not make it so uh, the answer is zero all right well
0: I knew that answer, obviously that's why I asked, <laughs> but uh, we're working on that we're working on on getting you a few more countries absolutely yeah there we go well, before we get into the the main topic, um we want to talk a little bit about you know how we got into education, and uh, we know Jason, you have a a great uh backstory but we'll uh I guess we'll start with ourselves uh first, Matt, do you want to go first or you want me to uh sure take her off.
1: Yeah. yeah, so I, I went to the University of Dayton in Ohio, a um, smaller, well, about a middle-aged school, um, about seven 8,000 undergrads. So I went there originally to play football, and then I got into my undergrad and ended up getting into education, because I, I always thought that would be a, a good career to get into. And the reason I got into it is I had a high school PE teacher who allowed me to be as a uh, PE aide when I was in 12th grade, and I really enjoyed it. And he was a good teacher, and he was in- inspiring in uh, how he did his work and how he worked with kids. So that's one of the reasons I got into it because I thought this would be a great career, it could be uh, something I could enjoy. And, you know, of course, working, uh, get your summers off, you know, a good, uh, good career move as well. <laughs> so I got into that, and I started off as, as a social studies major. In the beginning, but I'd always had a hankering for PE. So I switched after my freshman year and then finished out uh, with my degree in four years, which looking back was a little too quick because I really wasn't ready to become a full on teacher once I had finished my student teaching, my graduation, or, uh, <laughs> you know, got my degree. So but that's how I got into it. And after a couple of years of subbing and working part time, different jobs, and then eventually working for a, a nonprofit that worked with the school system. I was ready to finally get a full-time job, and I did with the Cleveland Public Schools. That was my first full-time PE job working at elementary school. It was great. It was a good start. Cool.
0: Well, I'm uh, not too too different than Matt. Uh, uh, my mom was a teacher, my uncle, and, and my dad was a coach. Um, not a professional coach. He worked at GM, but he, he coached. He coached all the time, and, and I'll always remember everywhere we would go together, people, adults would stop him, say hi, and then tell me how, great of a coach he was. And I always thought that was the coolest thing. Uh, People that I thought were the same age as my dad um, were telling how great of a coach he was when they were little. Um, So it was always something I wanted to do, uh, but I guess didn't really have a plan of how I could really be a teacher uh, and a coach. Went to junior college in the States and played baseball and still didn't really know what I wanted to study. Had a general degree and then came to Austria. Keep playing baseball and a coach. Um, and I realized I liked all these uh, big, really cool buildings around me, so I decided I should get my degree in history um, and do my teacher's degree at the the same time. Um, but then had to come back to Austria, so came back to Austria, kept playing, got a lucky break, and started at the uh, AIS Vienna, and uh, found myself into a, a great boss, mentor, and and great friend now, uh, and uh, yeah. Super happy, super happy in education. Where I, I guess I knew I always wanted to be, just didn't really know how to get there.
2: Fantastic.
0: Yeah, Jason, but your story is a bit different than ours, I guess. So huh? it's 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 a little bit. There's yeah. there's
2: some parts that that intermingle, and uh, you know, talking about people that you've idolized or people that uh, have influenced you. Uh, we have similar backgrounds there. Um, so I actually grew up in. Uh, Northwestern part of Oklahoma, which is called Enid, Oklahoma, uh, grew up to a single parent home, uh, with two other siblings. My mother was a high school dropout. Um, she dropped out to take care of my oldest brother. So ultimately my mother was forced to work, um, minimum wage jobs to make ends meet. Uh, didn't have a lot of, of money coming in. So grew up relatively poor. Um, Because my mother was working two jobs, she had little time to supervise us three boys, uh, me and my two other brothers. So due to the fact that I had little to no supervision, uh, I was free to get myself in trouble, which I did quite often, uh, as you can imagine. Um, I was ultimately kicked out of my high school there in Enid uh, and had to go to a different high school in the next county over because... Uh, in, in Oklahoma, if you get kicked out of a high school in one county, you can't go to any other schools in that same county. You have to go outside of the county. So uh, forced to go to a different school outside of that county. And it was actually here that I was introduced to a coach and teacher who cared uh, cared a lot about me and my well-being and, and obviously my future. Uh, it was because I met Coach Benson that I decided to make a career in education. Coach Benson was my high school history teacher, he also coached football and basketball, um, which I played in high school. Uh, and he poured into me and he believed in me and he believed that I could be successful, whatever I put my mind to. So, um, I wanted to be just like him. So I thought I'd become a teacher and coach. And, um, ultimately I ended up going to the university of Oklahoma, where I was a member of the football team for two years, um, earned my bachelor's degree, um, uh, then went into teaching uh, in Texas, uh, teaching history. Uh, I was a social studies major, social studies education. Uh, that's what my bachelor's is in. So I I taught and I coached uh, fast pitch softball and football. Fast pitch softball in Texas is in the spring down there and quite different than Oklahoma. Fast pitch is in the fall. But I coached uh, fast pitch softball and football. Um. And then came back to Oklahoma when we uh, decided we wanted to have children. Me and my wife were both from Oklahoma. So right. came back up here up here, and um, ultimately what led me to being an athletic director was uh, I'd earned my master's degree in education administration from Southern Nazarene University. And um, I had a horrible boss. I I had a horrible athletic director. He was at the end of his tenure and uh, he was just drawing a paycheck, man. And he did not care one iota if, if the teams were successful, if, if me as a coach was successful, Uh, he, he didn't pour into us anything. And, and so I thought, man, if this guy can be an athletic director, then I think I can surely do it and I can do a lot better job. So that's ultimately how I became a, an athletic administrator. And so, uh, 13 years ago, I took, or 12 years ago, I'm sorry, I took that trek and, uh, ended up where I
1: am today. Great story. Just curious about your, your, when you're in high school, when you got booted out of that high school and you had to go to another one outside the county, mm-hmm. did you have to move or did you have to commute every day?
2: So, so ultimately the next county was about 20 miles away. So I could drive back and forth, but my, my mother working a uh, minimum wage job, she oftentimes would work at a restaurant as a waitress, um, and then in the evenings would work at a local convenience store um, or gas station. And so she really didn't track if I was home or not. Um, so I ultimately ended up spending 95% of my time in the next county with a friend of mine um, that I had made at school, and I ended up sleeping on his couch the majority of the time. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I ended up doing that, so I didn't have to commute because I didn't have a vehicle, didn't have a lot of money to buy cars. So ended up staying there about ninety five percent of the time. What a friend! Yeah, great friend. Are you still in touch with them today? Well, um, so he was the best man of my wedding, my best friend. Um, he recently passed away, had uh, oh. bladder bladder cancer, so oh, passed God. away from uh, from bladder that. cancer. It was tough, you know. It's been. Uh, it's been quite a while now about seven years so have had time to heal and you know uh his son is is my godson so i'm still close with him and um yeah so that's great really you can carry that forward for him trying to trying to
1: Coach Evaluator is the premier coach evaluation software for schools and athletic organizations and preferred coach evaluation solution of the NIAAA and the Positive Coaching Alliance. The system is completely customizable with an always-growing evaluation template library for athletic directors to reference. Coach Evaluator offers a built-in workflow tracking each coach evaluation from start to finish including document uploads and email notifications. There are not only evaluations for ADs to use, but also self-evaluations and parent-player evaluations of coaches. There is built-in detailed historical reporting allowing the athletic director to analyze their coach's performance over time. Learn more about digitizing and simplifying your coach evaluation process by visiting www.coachevaluator.com. Mention Globetrotten ADs to receive a $200 discount on the yearly rate.
0: Well, let's uh, thanks uh, Jason for that, and uh, and Matt obviously as well. Let's um, let's go into our main topic. You know, we we do have a lot of listeners in in the US, uh, thankfully, um, so they might want to know about the differences from from you, Jason, to us, and and obviously we have a lot of listeners in uh, the international world that that might want to hear from you about the differences to our jobs. So we think this could be a pretty cool pretty cool topic here today, and you know. Matt, you want to get started? Yeah. What do you think is the main...
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's great because, I mean, these are things we talk about when we get together, for example, at the NIAAA conference, because there are these massive dis- dis- differences between our our schools. But then when we get talking into conversations like we're having now, we end up finding that there's so many things that we have in common. And ultimately, it's about dealing with kids right. and uh-huh. doing what's right for kids and what's doing doing what's best for kids. Uh, uh-huh. in their, in their school setting. So, um, I, at the end of the day, I, th- I don't think it matters where you work. If you're, cause I've had, I've, I've been able to work in public schools, private schools, international schools, Catholic schools, and it's all about doing what's right for kids and doing what's best for them. So it's, that's, yeah. that's, what's always great about these, these meetings we have with, and meeting people from all over the world, you know, Jason from Oklahoma, people who met from Asia, South America, Europe, and beyond, it's uh it's it's definitely a worthwhile topic, but today we're going to talk about the difference between our U.S. athletic programs and the international school programs. Right. So we could
0: just end the episode right now with that statement, Matt. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're similar but different, and everybody's in it yeah. for the right reasons. So we're done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there no. we go. No, I let me let me start because I think one of the main or the biggest difference is spectators at games. And for us tournaments, <laughs> yeah. and uh, Jason, I know your your game day protocol is is a heck of a lot different than than maybe ours, and some international schools might not have even week week uh, week night games. So, yeah, Jason, tell us what you go through on a on a weekday weekday game.
2: So um take you through a typical day on a football game day here for us in Oklahoma. And we only have, uh,
0: you know, we don't have too much time. So you can't <laughs> not minute by minute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure.
2: Yeah. So uh in, in order to keep it brief, um our our stadium here holds uh about 13,500 people. Um and so that's that's our football stadium so our game day oh, preparations please. behind the scenes are uh you know we have to get the field ready we have to get the pylons out we have to get the goal posts out we have to get the score clock out. we have to put the team names on the jumbotron um we have to make sure that the ticket takers and ticket sellers booths are set up we have to have make sure that the concession stands are ready um we have to make sure we have artificial turfs so we will sweep the turf uh, make sure that there's no debris, no loose uh, chin strap buckles or anything like that uh, on the turf. Um, we have to make sure that the sound system is set up and ready to to go for that evening. Then we'll run through a, a brief script, make sure that our microphone uh, is working for our announcer so that, you know we can hear him loud and clear, and then we'll run through the national anthem. And make sure that the flags are up and... Uh so it's it's a pretty crazy day. So we you know we usually start here uh for us about seven thirty a.m. uh central standard time and then we will usually have everything in place and ready to go for the visiting team to show up usually around three thirty PM again central standard time. Um uh, and so really the preparation for a game day takes place many days in advance. Um, So on a Monday, we play all of our games typically on Friday evening. So on Monday, I will contact the visiting school um, with the logistics package, letting them know, hey, here's uh, here's where your buses are going to park. Here's where the visitors locker room is. Here's where you'll enter the field. Here's where you'll enter the stadium. Here's how much time your palm and cheer have to dance pregame. Here's how much time your band has to perform pregame. Um, And then I'll give them our logistics. Here's where we will enter the field. Here's where our bench is located. Here's where your bench is located. Here's what our palm and cheer are going to do at halftime. Here's what our band is going to do at halftime. And then if we have any game day sponsors or anything that we're going to be announcing and recognizing, um, we obviously do that throughout, but we'll also have them uh, a script ready for halftime. And then once I receive how many buses um, that they plan on traveling with, then I make out a logistical plan to, where we're going to park. Uh, make sure that we have the game day security. We'll have uh, roughly 10 to 20 officers, depending on the um, the event and who we're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, our bigger games, our Union game, which is a big rivalry, um, and Broken Arrow, uh, which is a big rivalry game. You know, we'll have 20 officers here so that make sure we have great crowd control. Which I'm sure a lot of a lot of our listeners have. Uh, taking the NI courses on game day management. And, uh, so, so nothing new there for us. You know, we try to make sure that when they come to this, uh, venue, that it's a, it's an awesome experience for them, but it's also a safe, uh, experience. Um, right. we like to make a big show, big presentation. So, so we have a lot of uh, different things going on video board wise. We have a big jumbotron that, uh, runs, uh, on our, our South end zone above our bleachers down there. And, um, play hype videos and, and just all the other stuff that everybody does. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I've taken away from from Nick, you, and, and Matt, you guys, um, just in my curiosities of asking, you know, what, what those differences are, and we've obviously shared for a number of years now uh, at, at our conferences, um, one of the biggest takeaways that I take away, and and you guys would be better to express this to our state side listeners
0: mm-hmm.
2: um is that that you guys really don't have uh events in the sense that people pay an entry fee and and you don't really have a concession stand set up for people to to pay and it, and, and your event, events are not typically set up for money making ventures is that right. correct and me saying that
0: right yeah absolutely we, oh yeah, yeah. right I mean, on your uh your game day you know event that you just kind of described would be very similar to one of our end of season conference tournaments. Yeah. Obviously, with without the security, without the crowd, without the jumbotron, and, uh, okay. and without the tickets. Um, but logistics of people coming in. Obviously, you know the airport picking them up, bringing them in um, when they need to leave the home stays. All those, all those other things. That's like our end of season tournament, and and trying to make a an awesome experience with. With as many bells and whistles as you can, you can do. Mm-hmm. But really, the no one's watching. I would say yeah. it's it's really for the experience of the kids um, that are mm-hmm. there. Uh, we've gotten into live streaming um, recently, so mom and dad, uh, wherever they are, or grandma and grandpa can watch. But really, everything we do is centered on the on the kids, and and yeah. nothing outside
1: of that. I would say Fantastic. our game day setup, for example, today we had a, a home basketball game. Our varsity boys played the British school, the British International School of uh, Budapest. And basically our, our game day setup is myself and one of our maintenance guys. His name's Antal. So I'll give Auntie a big shout out because he he's the one who helps me set up <laughs> some tables and some benches and make sure the water's there, the scoreboard and All the PE stuff, cleared out of the way so we can have a game right after school with with our local crowd. But we don't, or it's our local local school that we rival with, but uh, we don't have a whole lot of spectators coming. We're we're lucky we have a few parents that show up if they have the time, they can come out and watch. But um, basically, it's just myself and not doing all that setup work.
0: Right.
1: In, so in let let life. me
2: let me interject this because I think one of the one of the bigger differences obviously with us um, speaking um, you know at the at the niaA I've learned over the years our athletic budgets here uh, in particular in Oklahoma, um our our athletic budgets in terms of, um, what we can spend on uniforms and travel and uh, transportation and, and different things like that. It's solely generated on ticket sales into our events as well as concession sales at our events. And so that's why we have to make it a big production, whereas right. I, yeah. I would like to say that you guys probably have some different Budget that you don't have to worry about that you have a set budget yearly that um will dictate how much you can spend on uniforms and travel and and those things, so right. touch on that a little bit
0: yeah we're we getting into fundraising and and you know sponsorship and that's something that most international schools don't do because just like you said we we have a budget um so my school's athletic budget is is close to two hundred thousand euros and that's per year and that's like you said uniform um, uniforms and and travel Uh, students pay a bit of the travel you know when we fly somewhere they pay for the cost of the ticket Um, but a lot of that is logistics so paying for um, you know when Matt schools well not Matt's too close they're uh, they're a bus right away but from when a school flies into Vienna we pick them up and bring them to our school and that's a big cost for us but yeah we don't have to worry you know we have to work within our budget of course um, but mm-hmm. we're not going out there and, and trying to hustle for, for money. And in most cases, we're not allowed. You know, fundraising at our school um, can only go to people in need, you know, service learning projects mm-hmm. things like that. Right. We're okay. not fundraising for, for our sports teams.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah. And another topic, too, which is um, it's it's definitely a, a big issue for schools or in the States, um, not A huge issue for international schools, but we try to do what's best for best practices and equality. Uh, The next topic we'll talk about, maybe touch on Jason about Title IX issues and how that, how you work with that and and comply with it in your school. Well, so so Title
2: IX is very prevalent, um, obviously stateside. Um, I believe some states um, have more active. Plans, I guess, for for Title IX, and they're very um, proactive um, because maybe they've already experienced an awful uh, an awful lot of uh, inquisition from the Office of Civil Rights um, or people within their community. So, um, state to state, I think it's it's different. Um, I think there are some some definitely states in the southern part of the United States that. Um, Pretty much operate uh, with a kind of "don't ask, don't tell" uh, mantra, I guess, if you will. Uh, I guess they, they operate the way they're going to operate until somebody brings it to their attention that they have a Title IX issue. But, but for us, we want to make sure here, here in Oklahoma, and in particular here at Jinx, we we definitely make sure that there's equality in training facilities. Um, so our girls' soccer program has identical training facilities as our boys' soccer program. Um, our girls' basketball team has access to uh, the same training as our men's basketball team, um, very cognizant on uniform uh, parity. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we don't allow our boys' uh, soccer team to order uh, Adidas uniforms and then our girls' soccer team order uh, some knockoff, no-name brand, subpar uniform. Uh, they're, they're both going to order, you know, the the top of the line, uh, whatever's best for their, in particular, uh, sport and what gives them the best opportunity to be successful. Um, right.
1: you so, know, sorry, so, just to, so, just to yeah. backtrack, I probably should have prefaced, because there might be some folks out there listening who are not familiar with what Title IX is or okay. or how that impacts uh, sport programs in the states, but basically Title IX is, if a school, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's a school receives federal funding, they have to have gender equality in their programming, essentially.
2: Correct, correct, and so um, most of your Title IX issues come from the Office of Civil Rights. It's an OCR report, um, so so yearly you do an OCR report, and, and basically you um, It just shows the number of male participants in single sex sports um, versus female numbers in single sex sports. So so basically in like for Oklahoma, for example, um, when you do football in Oklahoma, when you count your numbers for football, Mm -hmm. that's a that's not gender specific, which means women can play football as well as men. So it's not a single sex sport. So those numbers would not count Um, for whatever reason in in the state of Oklahoma. And I don't know if this is all of the states, but in Oklahoma, you can't count your numbers in cheerleading. Uh, They don't recognize cheerleading here in Oklahoma as a sport. Although having two daughters myself, I can tell you that uh, cheerleading is very much a sport and uh, when you're competing and and doing the things that cheerleaders do, um, it's definitely a sport. But anyway, so your yeah, single yeah. sex sports are going to be like men's basketball and women's basketball. So you want to make sure that your opportunities. Now the key here is opportunities. You can't make the the female girl. You can't make the girls play basketball, but you want to make sure that the opportunity is there. That if they choose to play. You know, basically, you're not going to keep a female team of 10 members and then your your male team have 15 members. You see, they're not going to cut. So so if you're cutting, you're going to make sure that if you're having cuts and tryouts that your your boys team, your boys basketball team, if they're keeping 15 or 20, how many of they're keeping, your girls are keeping the same number. So, you know, if you have tryouts, then you want to make sure there's equality there. Um, You also want to make sure that there's equality in facilities. Um, You don't want to put um, your girls basketball team in the Taj Mahal and some real swanky um, locker room and then give the girls team somewhere under the basement some backwood Mm -hmm. cobweb. Infested area. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to make sure there's equality there. So, um, uh, one thing that kind of gets lost in Title Nine in in the states is um, you, you you just you have to make sure that there's equal opportunity for for women as well as men. So mm-hmm. so if you offer um, twelve sports that are single sex, men sports only, you need to make sure that you're offering twelve female single sex sports right. only as well. So it's, it's just a way to make sure that, that there's inclusion and there's equality across genders. Um, that's really what it is. And so we're very cognizant about that here. We make sure that, um, you know, we have a strength and conditioning coach here. Um, and we make sure that our strength and conditioning coach is, is providing, um, resources for both the male sports and the female sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, facilities are, are the same. They're identical. Um, that they, we don't, we don't do one construction plan for males and then a different construction plan for females. They're, okay. they're both um, very cognizant about being at the f- forefront of our thoughts when we build facilities sure. of that. So, I think that's, that's probably the biggest. That's probably the biggest challenge we face is because we, um, we do a lot of construction around here. We have a lot of those OCR people come in the the Office of Civil Rights, and they come in and they say, "Okay, yeah, this, you know, if if this boys' locker room is going to be 600 square foot, then this female locker room has to be 600 square foot." So it 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 brings a lot of people to the table.
0: Well, and I think, you know, not speaking for every international school, but at least everyone I've been to, you know that. that that doesn't seem to come into play if you have a girls team you have a guys team you know you have a locker room a girls locker room a guys locker room it's a, it's always the same um yeah. obviously we're not driven by uh you know trying to have customers come to the game and and put on a show so you know we don't have to worry about that where obviously your your male sports might draw or probably do draw more more spectators and thus more money um we're not there but you know I even think we, you know, at our school, we might even favor the girls, the girls teams more than the guys, to be honest with you. Um, but not intentionally, of course. <laughs>
2: sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, you always want to make sure that there's inclusion. And, and you know, Matt touched on it mm-hmm. um, at the very beginning of the, the intro. Um, you know, everything that we do is at the forefront of our thoughts is our student athletes and, and what is best for those and I think you can take out of the equation male or female. We right. just want what's best for all of our kids involved in our athletics. And so, yeah. if you go into anything with that mantra, that mindset, then you're going to far exceed any uh, any rules or regulations that right. that could be placed out there.
0: Well, that's great. That's great. And that's I think that's a great uh, segue. Maybe into one of the main similarities of of our our system so to speak is is that it's it's educational athletics you know we're we're here for the kids we're 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 not trying to make pro athletes uh um, we're we're trying to educate the kids and and to be better better people right sure sure is that is how how does that i don't know, i think that's easier maybe in our in our area um how does that play out with you jason and I don't know because you have college scholarships. You have college. You just passed the s- national signing day. Um, yes, that's got to make it tough for you, right?
2: <laughs> well, you know, it it does and it and it doesn't. I mean, it's you know, like you said, national signing day just passed. We you know we were fortunate enough that we we had some kids sign in the early signing period in November. Um, All in all, you know, we had over 30 kids sign scholarship opportunities to further their academic and athletic careers, and you know, the good thing for that is is I would say that it's probably about 49 percent female were signing those college scholarship opportunities, and probably 51 percent male uh, in in a variety of sports. You know, we had had wrestling, we had baseball, we had softball, we had um, football, basketball, track and field. Um, so, you know, the, the main thing for us is, is, is like you said, our our opportunities here um, at Jinx, we want to provide the best playing experience, and we want to provide the best experience for our kids, but we also want to springboard those kids uh, to the next level, because our, our objective is, uh, to make those kids lifelong learners, um, and and the way that we do that is through education-based athletics. So there, there's a lot of similarities between us, and there's a lot of differences because yeah. we drive our our kids are driven for that next level scholarship, right. um, whether that be NAIA, uh, junior college, NCAA, whatever division that may be—division three, two, or sure. one. So.
0: And, I mean, being a college athlete, no matter what level you're in, that's just uh, a great place to be in, a great atmosphere, and, and helps you get that college degree, whether you, uh, you've you got a scholarship or not, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, you get you get any type of scholarship money that just offsets the amount of money that you're having to take out of pocket to, right. to get yourself to the next level where you want to be. A lot right. of these people, a lot of the student-athletes, uh, I would say internationally as well as uh, stateside here, you know, they're not going to go professional. They're not going to be pro athletes. Um, so, you know, what is the main focus of that next level? And, and the, what we try to breed into our kids here is the, the main focus and goal is to get your college paid for so that when you get out, you've got a degree so you can be a productive member of society and, and be that lifelong learner.
0: Yeah. Matt, have you, have you had any, uh, Athletes come out of your school? Uh, to go play college. My, I
1: mean, in, in my a... twelve years here, we've had, uh, I would say, less than half a dozen. Yeah, you know, we really that go on to play. We had one guy who graduated about seven eight years ago. Two guys, sorry, uh, that played soccer. They're Hungarian guys that ended up getting. They played club ball mostly, but they also played for the school team. And they ended up getting Division one scholarships. One guy went to, I believe, Robert Morris. Another guy went to mm-hmm. Maryland, so we've had a couple. Uh, we have one hot, really high-level swimmer kid. He's a grade eleven. Um, he'll probably end up in the Olympics. I would say he's pretty. He's a national junior champion in Hungary, which is pretty good swim background. Um, but
0: but your swim coaches aren't kids. aren't training yeah. him. He's
1: he's no, got a club no, outside. He's totally here. outside of school. Everything Amen. he does is outside of school. He's one of the best mm-hmm. trainers in, in Hungary. I think we had, so, we had
0: one. We had one you know, one athlete, student athlete. He's, he played he was a catcher in a D two university. And that's the only the only guy I can I can think of that really learned the game, played the game at our school and then and then went on to the next level. You know. Obviously we have some we have some Harvard said, and we have some Yales in there. Um, yeah. You know, getting kids to the next level of of university, uh, in a different different sense, right? But
1: yeah, and <laughs> you know, a lot of our kids that go through our schools, Jason, like here and uh, we're very similar. AIS Budapest and AIS Vienna, kids are going to go on to university, but the you know the their time with our sport programs is is always special. We mm-hmm. do a uh, marketing program, and they do videos with kids, and they interview them after they graduate, and they talk about what they're Matt, best memories are of their time here, and a lot of them are those these sport tournaments going off to the CISA tournament and representing the school uh, and in some capacity for the sport program. So it's 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 still a big part of their educational program here, even though they're not going to go on the next level competitively in college athletics. Yeah,
0: Matt. Well, so I would. Sorry, uh, Jason. Matt just mentioned um, kind of internal marketing, and I think that's one of the big differences. You know, we. We as international schools, we don't really want attention outside of our walls. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to sure. do some internal marketing. Obviously, get participation levels up. But, Jason, what's it like for you uh, dealing with the media? Do you have?
2: Oh, oh, it's 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 a different it's a different animal. Um, you know, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you get you get the good press, and you know, uh, national signing day, we had you know fifteen different media outlets here, you know, video and, and doing snippets on our student athletes that that were going to the next level. Um, So, so the, the marketing and the promotional side of things is, is paramount. Um, That's how we get our kids, you know, recognized. We, we work together with our student athletes to, to self-promote. We have different. Uh, media outlets, Instagram, Facebook, ch- Twitter. We have all of these different avenues set up to, to directly reach out to coaches um, with different highlight tapes and different um, game films and different statistics and and different things like that so that we can try to help these kids get to the next level. Um, now, we, we will have a large majority of our student population will go on uh, to participate um, in a university, you know, probably just as students, but, uh, you know, the, the student athletes that we have, we want to give them an, an, advantage, uh, to get into the next level. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're a student who scores a 23 on your ACT and has, you know, relatively good grades, you know, uh, be average, you know, you're, you're probably, if you desire to go to school, um, then you'll, you'll do that. Your parents will, will encourage you to do that. Um, athletes, you know, they may be, uh, kids that have a 35 on their ACT and get a full academic scholarship, but now they're getting an opportunity to continue to play and and possibly live out a dream that maybe they had when they were a child.
0: You know, yeah.
2: uh, I can remember when I was a kid, I used to, I used to watch uh, NFL football, and man, I wanted to be like Mean Joe Green. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I had that goal and that aspiration. You know, luckily I was able to to play a couple of years of, of college football, but I uh, was not fortunate enough to get to the next level. But I think that that vision and because of the promotion. Um, here stateside i was able yeah. to try to live that vision and try to try to achieve that goal so okay. i would have never gone to college had i not wanted to participate in athletics
0: right matt what do you think what um you know we don't have too much time left what
1: uh yeah i think one of the the, of the last we, we've covered a lot of ground here in a short amount of time with the uh, philosophies and kind of the day-to-day hustle of our jobs which, are, which we found out are similar and different um but I guess our last little topic to talk about would be dealing with parents and kind of the differences and similarities and uh, helping them understand our programs and their kids' participation and, and what our hopes and dreams are mm-hmm. and uh, some of the issues you deal with probably versus what some of the issues we deal with. I think that we can all
2: agree that, that our parents want what's best for their child. And a lot of times, um, the, the, the conversations that you have with parents are focused solely on their kid, as opposed to the entire team or the entire educational process that happens with athletics. Um, you know, a lot of times here in the States, it's, um, parents, you know, they, they want to have a conversation with you um, and they may be upset about their child's playing time or lack thereof. Um, <clears throat> But what we try to instill in those parents is, is you know, have your child come speak to their coach. We want them to be able to communicate with each other, and we want them to, you know, we all have jobs, and we all have bosses, and we all have people that we have to answer to, and so definitely want to teach them those skills, and that's why we call it education-based athletics. Uh, we're giving them education on what life's going to be like outside of, the sports arena or outside of the educational facility. You're going to have to have crucial conversations when you um, have a boss or you have uh, employees who work for you. You're going to have to be able to communicate. Your, your mom and dad are not always going to be able to come and battle for you. Um, that's that's just naivety, thinking that, that your parents can always, you know, mm-hmm. go and fight your battles for you. So we try to instill that in our, in our parents and on our student athletes. Just, you know, if you have a, if you have an issue, please make sure your child talks to the coach. Cause a lot of times coaches, you know, uh, we got 125 kids on our football team. You know, we've got 15 coaches. They're not going to know each one of those 125 kids intimately to the point that they know if there's an issue uh, the only way that they're ever going to know that there's an issue is if the kid comes to them and says, hey, coach, you know, I'm having this issue or I'm struggling with this. Or, coach, what can I do to, to improve my game so that I can show you that I'm worthy of, of playing on Friday night? Yeah. Um, but a lot of times parents just want to come in and, and be that voice for the kid, when in reality, if you're really trying to teach them, uh, you would want that kid to be that voice.
1: Yeah, it's self-advocacy. That's such a yeah. huge... Part of education, and and it's hard to teach kids that, of course, but that's the beauty of uh, you know, educational athletics and kids participating in sports programs. And if they have that opportunity for sticking up for themselves or talking up for themselves, it's been done. That's, that's another good point. I think it needs to be stressed. You know, they need to stick up for themselves, but they need to do it in a, in a good way Yeah, that it helps them to get their point across in a productive way. Right.
0: Yeah, for like,
1: sure.
0: I think one of the, the main parent issues that we get are from parents that aren't, sorry, haven't grown up in athletics. So, Hmm. you know, where maybe you have parents that, you know, played college, played, played this, played that, and want their kid Hmm. to do even better than them where we have uh, a lot of businessmen and women and, and maybe diplomats and things, and and their kids are getting a chance to compete and they're just not really sure, you know, what it's like to be on a team or, or to do this and that in athletics. So, at least at least I I don't know about you Matt but we get a lot of questions just kind of naive questions or, sure. or
1: things like yeah, that Yeah, and, and just kind of educating them about the philosophy of why we're doing what we do and mm-hmm. the reasons why we go about how we operate our programs
0: right
1: for sure
2: yeah we try to we try to set We know we try to set the mantra early. Uh, We have parent meetings at the very beginning of each sports season. And, you know, we just we just try to explain to the parents up front. You know, we we all are in this for the business of of providing what's best for each child, not individual children, but for each child under our tutelage. So we set that precedent very early with our parents and let them know, guys, I may get onto your son and I may coach your son hard or your daughter hard. But I'm doing it because I need them to be successful on the field, which will in turn make them successful in life. If they face adversity in life and they know how to react and they know how to overcome that adversity, then they're going to be successful. And that's really what it's about more than, you know, a lot of times our parents will see, you know, if if a kid, you know, doesn't do the right play or, you know, and the coach gets on to him and says, you know, hey, you need to do this. Uh, you know, coach. You know, trying to teach and educate that child. Um, a parent may see that from the stands and and think, "Oh, he just he's he's mad at my son. He doesn't like my son or my daughter." And so now they want to come and, well that's where we let them know hey we're coaching your kid we're we're going to tell them when they've done right and we're going to tell them when they've done wrong we're going to love them up when they do right and we're going to correct their wrongs and you know we're going to try to teach them to be productive members of society and so it's not a personal attack on your kid if your kid does something wrong and we correct that it's not a personal attack we don't dislike your kid we're right. all in the profession of loving kids and and helping them be successful and that's part of it
0: yeah. and that's that's universal across the well, across the world, eh? Yeah, I, can, I think I so. Say.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so.
0: Matt, another burning question, or uh, what do you think? We uh, we sign I, off for today. I
1: think we sign off on that. I mean, we're almost yeah. at an hour you know, already. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I, I mean, it's uh, a yeah. it's a huge, huge topic.
0: Or I think it's always great when we're like we've mentioned at the national conference to uh, to talk to different people and what do you do here yeah. and what do you do there and and um i think a lot of international ADs think well, that's american or different they're different and uh, it's just not true we can we can learn a lot from each other and and our programs are more similar than we think
2: yeah, for sure. I agree. You know, I always look forward to going to the NIAAA conference and, you know, running into Dave Horner and, and Matt, you and Nick and Chris and, and Jason and, and all of you guys. It's it's always a highlight of my uh, my convention because I get to pick your brains about uh, the things that you guys deal with and, and you guys afford me the opportunity to to vent and uh, break free and break loose about yeah. some things that that we deal with here so it, it's always great to catch up with you guys and, and like i said uh, earlier I, I greatly appreciate you guys extending this invitation and opportunity for me to come on here and speak to you guys and with you guys and i can't thank you guys enough for your friendships oh, yeah
1: thank it's you. great and okay. i think the more we find out how different we are the more we find out how similar okay. we are no, i guarantee
0: which you is, which, is, which right. is fantastic yeah and, and yeah I, looking forward to to tampa next december for sure and yeah and who knows what's yes. after that where we can get together uh well, together again well you know i'm always i'm always available to fly i do
2: have a passport i don't have any stamps in it yet but i'm going to change that eventually that's yeah, right for get sure. you over here budapest
1: 2021 <laughs> that's Cisic awesome France.
2: that would be that would be a a definite highlight and dream come
1: true so all right hey just one last question hey if we're ever there in jenks oklahoma one of these days we get there where do we got to go for some good food and something good to drink Oh, my gosh.
2: Uh, well, Jinx is Jinx is a bedroom community. Uh, you know, we have a lot of, of housing, not a lot of industry and not a lot of uh, um, places to eat, but we're close to Tulsa. So probably take you into Tulsa. But if you just had to eat here in Jinx, we'd probably go to the Bayou Boys uh, barbecue right here. Just I'm looking at it outside my window right now, just right up here on Main Street. Uh <laughs> So, it got some good uh, Cajun barbecue going on up there. So, probably go up there and have a pint and, uh, you know, have some boudin. we introduce you yeah. guys to some boudin.
0: All right. Well, that definitely has to happen good. sometime soon, for sure. Well, you guys should make <laughs> a trip up here, man,
2: before you go to the NADC. Yeah. Swing through here. and you could. We got a <laughs> airport right here in Tulsa just five minutes up the road. We could fly out together. Yeah. Hey.
1: That sounds like a good plan. I think there's some definite PD we can have, we can pursue over there. Oh and, yeah, and yeah. <laughs>
0: for sure. Lot. All right. Well, Jason, thank you. Thanks for uh, everyone to listen. Always. Yeah. And, uh,
1: thank you very much. Yeah.
0: We'll uh, we'll get back in in about two weeks' time with a uh, with another episode that uh, hopefully you guys will all enjoy.
1: Yeah, we'll be off next week. I think Nick's on a break as well. We're on ski break. I'll be taking 41 kids up to the Alps outside of Salzburg. So looking forward to that. And a week over there in the mountains. Hmm. Nick? I'm
0: going going to a spa. I'm going to a spa with my wife. The kids will be skiing again. Um, And uh, I'm going to relax recharge the batteries. Well, so
2: if you want to know what I'll be doing, we'll be in our state tournament. So we'll be having basketball.
1: So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Cool. I don't know what a ski break is, but sounds like it's fun. And a spa <laughs> break, all that sounds real fun. I like to hear that. It's <laughs> a definite perk. <laughs> uh, man, you guys rock. I appreciate you guys having me on. All
0: right. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. You we'll bet, talk man. soon.
2: Okay. Y'all be safe.
1: Right. Thanks,
2: Jason. Yes.
1: Ciao.